Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. So David, I think we owe Anusha an apology. This is probably the ninth time we've had to rearrange this one. <laughs> so Anusha. No, I know you say that to everybody. No, no, no. Seriously. Admit I, it. <laughs> I, I'm extremely embarrassed. And even this morning we had a hiccup because you guys had a time change. And I'm yes. sitting there scratching my head driving to David's thinking, shit, she's going to cancel on us. She's going to think we're morons. <laughs> so we apologize. Inside Aesthetics is no, honored to no, have you no. here. Thank you. Oh, thanks. So fun. I love you listening to you guys so you keep me company on my drive to work and back so thank you oh really is it is it a long drive how long does it take you to commute it's about it's an over an hour oh, i wow. have two clinics but oh. one is over an hour drive yeah wow uh, you're based LA, in california LA. that's correct yes in los angeles yeah okay so you've got horrendous yeah. traffic and you've got yes. like the eight lanes going in each direction is that what you're stuck in exactly yeah that's oh my about goodness. It. It's, yes. um, yeah, of the times I've been to Los Angeles, by the time I've left, I've always thought, wow, Sydney traffic doesn't seem so bad anymore. <laughs> because, bad anymore. No. You see, David, we serve the people. Yeah. We, we provide the entertainment <laughs> for those people in the traffic. See? Yeah. yeah. Now, Anusha, I, okay. well, I yeah. originally came across your work two years yeah. ago in the first lockdown mm-hmm. we had. I think you were doing a couple of Instagram lives, and the one I remember right. was with Raj Aquila, one of our yeah. previous guests and, and a mutual yeah. friend, I guess. So that's how we Good came across book. you, and it, it's been a long time uh, okay. in coming trying to get this recorded. Hey. So thank you for giving us yeah. your time. Did, Absolutely. Did, did you want to give the listeners a bit of a, a spiel about, you know, your own background? Yeah. I remember when we were planning this, yeah. you told us so, much more than what I knew about your life history. <laughs> so tell us where it all started. Um, okay, so um, I've been in LA now for about 30 something years. Um, so I initially started in the emergency room. I did about 15 years in the ER. And I actually then, you know, had these great visions of one day, you know, driving around in a UN truck somewhere and, you know, far off. Yeah. <laughs> right. Of course, life never happens like that. But I dreamt about that. And then I did start a nonprofit with a bunch of ER doc friends and we would work in, you know, I did a stint in Africa because I did partly Europe and Africa too, in Zimbabwe as well. So we were working in the Thai-Burma border and we needed a uh, vascular surgeon because mm. there was landmines there. And we wanted a, a whole um, landmine program. So we took a surgeon from L.A., to teach us how to do amputations in the field. Right? Shit, it was like wow. We had this war surgery book. And well, you know, during one of those break times, he said, you know, and he's an older guy. And he said, you know, honey, you need to get on this train, this wave. I said, what's that? And he said, the Botox stuff. And that was like 2002. <laughs> wow. like, what the hell is Botox, right? Like, yeah. When we go back to LA, you just come along and spend some time with me in the office. So that was the beginning, right? And really, he showed me a few tricks 
and then said, you know what, go out and do it on your own now. You know, I'm like, what the hell? That's crazy. But it's not, <laughs> right? an, un, it's not an unfamiliar story to be completely exactly, honest. Exactly, right? I'm like, what the hell was I doing, right? Um, but I mean, he's been my mentor for the last, you know, I don't know, 20 years now I've been doing it. Um, and he's always like, what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> Why are you doing? Why do you need two clinics? Why do you have to work so much? But um, so ER, I didn't give up the ER still for the first 10 years of it because I was scared shitless. <laughs> um, so I did both. I would literally answer the phone in the emergency room because I was the everything, right? I was yeah. the front office, the back office, the one woman show. Um, so then, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there was no aesthetic education, right? Um, and I have to say, like none of the companies, I actually thank them for this now. There was no, I mean, Allergan and all those. I know you work for Allergan too. I know you're a trainer. I contract but, for them. I don't work for uh, them. Different. <laughs> you don't work for them. Thank you. you work. <laughs> they work for you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, none of the companies ever, I have to say at the beginning, right? Because I was such a small time person. They never um, offered me training. Um, none of that. But I actually think that was good because I had to figure it out, mm. right? I had to figure out my aesthetic. I had to figure out where to get, to get educated. Um, you know, I told you like the first cadaver course I did was not that long ago. And I found Dalvi Hamza, who I'm sure you know, right? I went to Scotland and did a cadaver with him um, because I couldn't find anyone in the States at that time. So, um, you know, so I just generally figure it out and uh was small time and now I you know like I am the slowest person in all of it I'm the slowest to grow because I'm always scared I am the slowest to inject <laughs> I'm always scared so always had a healthy fear about everything but you know you see these young girls and guys now i mean like you know they've been injecting a, a year and they have like three clinics already yeah and i'm like oh my god right um i mean it's amazing too because obviously they can um they have much more available to them so they can actually get on the trajectory much faster and move much faster mm. but anyway i'm mm. always scared yeah so i'm um, transitioning from yeah. emergency room nursing to aesthetics yeah. What right. what was that sort of mental journey like for you? And we asked this to a few people because yeah. it's it's a common thing, right? Because there's a, definitely a, a generation of nurses who've come from therapeutic nursing yeah. and haven't gone into it as like directly from you know finishing their nursing degree. So what was yeah. that like for you? And and also, what skills do you think that you took with you that have mm. you know been good for you or, or sort of given you additional insights or or skills? that are beneficial right. to what you do now in the injecting world? Mm. Huh, from the emergency room. You know, actually, what did not benefit me is the patient, you know, client, uh, you, you know, injector relationship. You know, mm -hmm. in the ER, right, it's fast. It's not a relationship. It's yeah. you treat and, you know, unfortunately, what they say, treat and treat, you know. Yeah, like, well. it's, it's so... I had to really, I think it took me a few years to really hone in on the, on the relationship I had to build. Like this was now a service 
mm. right? Yeah. They were not there because they, they needed to be there, right? Um, so now we have to handle that. I had to learn the lingo and the care and the, you know, patient-client relationship. So what the ER did not help me with is that, like, oh, you know, I had to take greater care. Greater the softer skills. Them, greater, you know, so... The the good thing about the ER is that I am also in some ways not as scared. I can deal like I'm a little bit more like, yeah, I can do it, you know? Um, so it gives me a little more I'm able to deal with emergencies, right? And like kind of, I mean, look, vascular occlusions have happened to me, and I can get in the zone and take care of it. And I've had to deal with it three times in, in the last folly, right? And, but I can immediately get into that ER mode, even though I, I have to have my team and I get into the zone and I just take care of it. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's really good. I don't panic. Right. Yeah. So that's definitely been good. That's yeah. awesome. What well, one question yeah. you've kind of skipped half yeah. of your life. You weren't born in the States. Yeah. You've moved a nope. few countries. Um, right. Do you think that, you know, understanding different cultures and and you know growing up seeing different faces has maybe influenced how you see faces and and how you approach different ethnicities and stuff huh i have i mean yes so yeah i was born in sri lanka and i was 10 we moved to zimbabwe and then um to hong kong when i was a teenager and i did you know finished high school in hong kong and then my parents just shipped me off to my aunt in LA and said, oh, we don't know what to do with you. So, you know, I always say I was a, I was a very late bloomer. I didn't know what the hell to do with my life. But, you know, as I tell my kids, don't bloom too early. Mm. Don't do it too early because, you know, um, there's some of us who will bloom much later. What are you going to do later in your life? So if you, if you hit, 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 hit your peak too early, I, I you know, I can't help you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether that's really helped me because um, I didn't look at it that way, right? I mean, it wasn't part of who I don't, you know, uh, it wasn't part of my career or what I did. So, um, no, I don't think like that has generally helped me really. But I mean, obviously, right? The global views, sure. I think how it's helped me is that. I've always looked far for what I need. So in that sense, I mean, I have to say, right. I mean, I would go wherever to get a cadaver course. I would go to MCAS Thailand. I would go to MCAS Paris. So there was a point I realized, you know, I need to kind of reach out to get the education that I needed. And so I was never afraid to kind of go wherever I needed to get it. And I feel like a lot of people here, it took them out the, they're still kind of stuck in a certain arena and they keep saying, Oh, there's no education here. I'm like, well, you know, it's not like you got to go reach further to find it. Yeah. Um, So, so so if we sort of um, wheel back Mm. to transitioning across from ER, you're, 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 trying to find education people that can teach you there's not much around do you want to just yeah. explain to us how you how you did get started where did you i mean i know you've spoken about the mentor mm-hmm. that you've had but in addition right. to that how did you tackle learning right. this whole new skill set yeah. you didn't have much support from the right. pharmaceutical companies 
you know, what yeah. was the industry like back then? So how did you, yeah. Yeah, I'm just interested how you sort of made that first, that first step into, mm. into that trend or transitioning. I remember also, yeah. Anusha, when mm. we were talking a while back, I think you said that one of your initial sort of sparks to your career was seeing Arthur Swift somewhere. Right. Yeah. And you sort of I saw the industry a little yeah. bit different. It sort of Absolutely. made it more professional for you. Yeah, I think that was, I had, um, yeah, I think that was kind of 10 years into it. And somebody said, you know, you should uh, go see this guy, Arthur Swift, and attend one of his things. And I said, oh, okay. Um, and I think he was the first one who really kind of introduced me to kind of looking at the whole face, mm. right? Um before that, you were just kind of, you know, doing Botox and, and just kind of doing the cheekbones. And But he really did change my view of taking the whole face into account. Um, and then, you know, going to IMCAS, frankly, right, many eons ago, really then brought more of the world into it. So I feel like the first 10 years of practice, I was kind of fumbling around, reading things, doing basic things, right? Filling, you know, doing the basic toxin and filling the, the basic folds and lines and not really doing the global thing and not really doing, I mean, and the clients we have now are, now are so much younger. Mm. So it's not, it was about aging. It's no longer about aging, right? It's enhancing. So that was a whole nother lesson for me because for the first, you know, 10, 15 years, you're just kind of doing anti-aging, right? Yeah. And people have already aged um, and you're trying to reverse them. Now we're, right, that's a whole nother conversation and our clients are much younger and much different. Yeah. Um, which really need, we need to like, they demand a lot, right? Yeah. They demand a lot. Absolutely. And what's your life like outside of aesthetics and injectables? What What do you do? Do you have oh family? God, do you have hobbies? What you yeah. know? What's fun for you? All right. One word. Like my my kids say to me the other day, Mom, you don't have any hobbies. I'm like, you know what? F you. I have. <laughs> I used to have friends. I used to have hobbies. You're right. I don't have any hobbies. Yeah. yeah I walk the dog every day. Yeah. Absolutely, that, that's how I up, feel. Um, diving. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, I remember in the lockdown, we did a podcast with a, a mindset specialist, and, yeah. and David uh -huh. was connected with yeah. him, and and he asked me that question. Yeah. He said, "You know what? What do you yeah. do outside of work?" And kind of had this mm -hmm. crushing <laughs> reality yeah. that I was like, "I don't. I enjoy work. I've got kids. Yeah. Uh, right. right now, I'm in a lockdown." That's all I do. Mm. And yeah. and I'm happy with that, to be completely honest. But yeah. it kind of yeah. made me think, sh should I have hobbies? You know, yeah. I'm a busy injector just like you yeah. and just like many other yeah. injectors. We probably allow yeah. our work to, to to dominate our life. And yeah, yeah. yeah wondering whether... You know it's okay. Your, our lives shrink, but not in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fine. I mean, it's like if I can steal an hour here or there and go for a hike, that's kind of my mind... You know, yeah. that's all I need. I don't need big things. So I've taken up diving. I just did my first diving trip to Honduras. Oh, right. So that's I cool. I'm going to take it up in a bigger way. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> what, scuba diving? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
in, yeah. in, yeah. in Honduras. Okay. And is there like yeah. amazing dive yeah. spots there, reefs? Like what kind of yeah. what's yeah. I mean, I mean, like nice warm water. That's what I wanted, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not doing cold water. Um, so, yeah, that's something I'm going to explore more, you know. And, you know, like all our friends, right, my friends and all the kids are getting a little bit older. So we have a little more time. Mm. And we're all kind of saying, you know what, maybe we do need to get our own lives now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, now, actually, just reflecting on lockdown, because you yeah. guys were obviously affected probably far more than we were in Australia. You know, now you're out of that. I don't know. Well, you're not yeah. out of it, but you've obviously got lots of yeah. cases. But you're, you're working, your businesses are yeah. open. How do you reflect on how that's impacted you as an injector in your business? Like, what, what would you say has well, changed? Well, that year, 2020, was the best year in 20 years for me. Wow, okay. Financially, right? Mm. And we closed for two months only really strictly closed for only two months. People had a lot of money. People had their government checks and they came and spent it. <laughs> That's exactly the same experience so, we had here. Yeah. And every yeah. around the world. It's so, interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, it, I loved it because I had, I've been waiting for that much time off for a long time. So <laughs> yeah, did a lot of gardening. <laughs> yeah. So you've made the decision, you've had your mentor tell you yeah. that, this is something that you should get onto. You should start following this this Botox bandwagon and, and start learning these skills. Yeah. So they give you a bit of a, sounds like a bit of a very basic crash course and then sent you off on your way. Yeah. You had no support from the yeah. pharmaceutical companies. So yeah. how did you get started? Like where was your first practice? What kind of clients were mm. you injecting? You said you were doing right. basic treatments. So probably just your basic tox, nasolabial folds, maybe some lips. Right. That's probably it. Exactly. And so yeah. just used, paint a bit of yeah. a picture for us so we can sort of imagine yeah. what, what so it was like it was for you. Yeah, was one room that I rented in a, a place that was kind of had another facial person, right? And um, I used to buy addresses of all the areas and send postcards. Right. <laughs> and I still have about 10 of those clients from 20 years ago, wow. which I, where they found me with a postcard that came to their house. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they saw the they they saw ad when they were getting their car washed at the local you know car wash, um, and that was painful. That was painful. I had two kids at that time, and it really was exhausting. And I'm surprised in a way I didn't give up. Yeah. Um, because I was doing both. I was still working in the ER. I didn't give it up for ten years because I was I was yeah. not sure whether this was my thing. And it was such a mental switch because I really wasn't still feeling like aesthetics was my thing. Mm. It was a real brain, you know, kind of switch for me mentally because gosh, from the ER and from like real medicine and working in Burma and the border and doing, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. was I really going to like, and I think it took probably 10, 50 you know, and I still wonder, is it essentially me, right? And took, yeah, 10 years to really own it and not feel guiltier about doing aesthetics, frankly. Yeah. Um, so, um, so then um, from that little practice, um, I, like we actually like geographically moved. So I formed another practice closer to where I lived. And still didn't give up the other one. So now I had two um, because I didn't want to give up that 
you know, I actually started also with laser hair removal, right? Which was also at that time kind of bread and butter, right? They you got them in. So yeah. for like the first five years, that's what really made the money. Um, but it was painful. Oh my god, I never want to do that ever. Oh, you were actually doing the lasering yourself? Um, I was at wow. that time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was me. I would do all of it myself. Um, yeah, I didn't have my first employee until probably seven, eight years into it. Yeah. Wow. But everything myself. Yeah. Um, yep. And then I really only hired a second injector about two years ago. Right. Okay. And what, and what were the, the patients like back then? So you were saying they were slightly, probably older, Older. um, more conservative. Um, how have you seen that sort of transition over the years? You said people have gotten younger and it seems like maybe more, more it's about enhancing rather than just anti-aging. So yeah, talk talk to us a little bit, a little bit about that. Right. Definitely. So, yes. So definitely that was the older patient. I mean, almost 45, 50 plus, right? Um, Now it's definitely the 30, 20, you know, Um, some things that are kind of the dominant patients for me. Yeah, 20s and 30s are my like the highest. Um, So, yes, those were the aging patients that now I would really not do filler on. Now I would say that's a facelift, right? Yeah. Um, so realizing, wow, right. Um, those were really candidates for facelifts. Um, um, now really it's about beautification, Mm -hmm. not anti-aging, right? Most of our clinics, most of my work is really beautification and it's amazing. And I still have obviously some patients in their 40s 50s right who who definitely will never have a facelift and we have that frank conversation of what's possible therefore with fillers and i have to say i never say i lift with fillers Mm -hmm. no matter how many times they repeat that word um (laughs) the two finger facelift with my hands crossed yeah (laughs) (laughs) this whole move yeah this whole move yeah it makes my heart sink when they do that in my office actually i do want to ask you a question um yeah you know, I don't know how old your kids are, but I'm guessing they're yeah. a bit older than mine. 15 and 13. Yeah. Okay. How would you feel in five, mm. 10 years time if they either came to your clinic or another clinic and said, hey, I want to do some of this cheek filler, lip filler stuff. Mum's uh, yeah. doing it for girls that yeah. age. Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I think as injectors, we, mm-hmm. we, we focus on our patients, but as soon as it becomes our family, or our right. children, I'm not in that dynamic yet. They're too little. But do we have like a, you know, mm. do we feel uncomfortable with that? Yeah. yeah. What is the yeah. boundary between it's, beautification and acceptance, I guess is my question. Right. It can get really tricky because I have a 15-year-old daughter who is already pointing things out to me. Mm. I just walked in this morning and she says to me, I don't like that my nose sticks out further than my upper lip. Yeah. I'm like, wow, really? Right. I don't like that my chin is way back, you know? So she knows that I see these young patients. She knows, you know, they are definitely the generation that is unapologetic. Yeah. I like, and I say, look, right. 
it is um they're making their money right they're not stealing they and some of us are born with it and if you can buy it and do it and move on right if she says to me at 18 look i want a nose job i'm like fine fine right you're still studying you're still getting a's you still have your path you want to get your nose done move on with it don't have to think about it fine yeah right so I think I would support it, frankly, right? Yeah. As long as all the other things are going the right way. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it's weird, like, because yeah. of Disney and, and all this stuff. Even my yeah. five-year-old yeah. is asking, Daddy, do I look beautiful? <laughs> and, of course, she wants to wear the pretty dresses and makeup yeah. and stuff. And you kind of think, holy shit, where did this start? Right. Where yeah. Was it Disney or the crap that she watches on YouTube or... I don't know, yeah. but beauty yeah. seems to just hit very, very early. And I think it's happening way earlier than when I was a five-year-old. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, what are we going to yeah. be saying to our 13-year-olds when, when they know about lip filler from Instagram? I feel so right. sorry for the right. doctor or nurse that wants to inject your child. You're going to turn up with a consult, have 300,000 questions. You're going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does scare me. It, it does, because, you know... I'm very happy to do it for other people, but it, you just feel right. differently about your own child when they ask yeah. these questions. Uh, sure, and yet, like sure. you said, your, your daughter's I asking think. normal questions. Right. Yeah, normal. normal. Things, right? Yeah, well, yeah, those are the yeah. questions that our, our patients ask us and, and we tell them about proportion right. and anatomy and so on. Right. So right. I, I guess I have to get over my own bullshit and, yeah. and support it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I think as long as it's a solid conversation and all the other things are there, you know, she's not a girly girl. She plays water polo. She studies really hard. Yeah. She's not a girly girl. You know what I mean? She's like a strong girl. Yeah. You know? So, if and yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, one of the things that drew me to, to your work, and I mean this in, mm. in the most highest praise possible, is it reminded me of my own work. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that sounds kind of weird, I guess. Yeah. But what I mean is I your, your approach, yeah. both, you know, your facial assessment, the techniques yeah. I see you use, because you. you've got an amazing social media account, we'll come to that. Uh, and the results yeah. that you deliver, I, I really see my own aesthetic in what you do. It's, it's beautiful work. Yeah. It really is. So, yeah. you know, you, you seem to have blended from what I can see, a number of influences. Mm. I can definitely see Arthur Swift. I can definitely see some yeah. of Raj's stuff. Yeah. There's Yanni Van Longham in, in your ferning technique. Mm. And, and there's, a, there's a number of things that you've pulled together. Was that deliberate or have you just, you know, amalgamated things along the way? I think, you know, frankly, right? You go to all these things, you watch all these people, and some of what they say is pertinent, some of what they say is BS. Right. Yeah. You 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 watch these people on stage and go, well, that's not really right. <laughs> but you have the confidence to say that with the experience. But many young injectors, right. they actually get frustrated by going to a conference because right. they get confused. Yeah. And they go, yeah. holy crap, I've exactly. been doing it all wrong. And they go back to their clinic and they start, yeah. you know, this new thing that right. they've seen on stage. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. And then they're right. like, I'm useless. Mm. It, it's a right. it's a problem yeah. conferences because of yeah. the stuff that gets spouted yeah. on stage i think right i swear i you know i haven't done any training right i don't do training for other people so yeah okay so going back to your like how do you you know you go to all these things but finally right 
you are kind of in a room and you got to figure it out yourself. You really have to think, what do I think would make the difference, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the concept of beauty still like escapes me, right? I mean, I swear, sometimes I go to the grocery like I'm looking at faces all the time. <laughs> I'm studying them at the grocery store. I'm studying them like I, you know what I mean? You have to really study it and it still escapes me. I don't know when, when I look at a face, I think it's almost easier for me. I get an instant kind of um, response in my brain, right? I look at a face and I go, well, is it, is it harmon- is it, is it a harmonious face or yeah. not? If it's not, what is it that's disharm? What is what's 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 not like feeling good in my head, right? Yeah. When I'm looking at this face, it's like sounds terrible. I hope a patient doesn't listen to this. And go, oh my god! Um, I actually do the, exactly the same thing. So this is music to my ears. Right? <laughs> yeah. Then you go, oh, okay. How can I make like my brain feel better about this face? <laughs> um, and what I do is also before I even go talk to the patient my staff takes photos and I look at the photos, then I'm removed from that conversation, right? And that gives me time and pause to look at certain angles and go, okay, right? I have an idea now what I think I want, right? And then it becomes almost distracting to talk to the patients for me, right? Um, Sounds terrible. Because then they'll go on, you know, then they're going to tell you what bothers them. And it's nowhere near what you were thinking of doing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, right. Now becomes the bargaining part. Then you got to start to bargain to try to get what you want. Right. And blend what the patient wants. Yeah, I I have to say, I I understand what you're saying, because, you know, the patient comes with their wants, and we understand their needs. And and you've somehow got to negotiate is probably the wrong word or bargain i know exactly yeah. what you mean you've got to align yeah. what they see with their reality mm. i guess is what you're saying right and yes. Y- yes. you're absolutely right the photos are very objective you, you know you're not yeah. having someone there just right. telling you their life story about how they hate a yeah. certain part of their face the reality is right. they've got to look good yeah. from all the angles and all of the expressions right. and from their profile yeah. and so on and they don't often yeah you know, understand mm. that because they've never seen those angles. So photos right. for me and, and obviously for you are very powerful. But how do yeah. you yeah. how do you explain mm-hmm. that to them? Because it can be quite confronting when you effectively, if it's not said right, can it almost be pulling someone's face yeah. apart and telling sure. them what sure. they need? And they don't like that. I don't think you tell them really, right? You always start with, I actually give them a mirror and I stand behind them mm. and look with them. It's a totally different view to when you look at them. Yeah. So even when I do, like when I'm doing treatments, right? And in the middle of it, I'm going behind them and looking at what they see, right? It's a a totally different view. And you'll pick up things that they're talking about you may not pick up when you're in front of them. So I always start with, like, I mean, they all have something amazing, right? Like yesterday, I have a 26-year-old. I'm like, I'm like you're perfect. I don't, I don't know what the hell to do with your face, <laughs> right? 
But then I literally sent her and said, can you just like go have lunch and come back? Like, give me some time. She's like, I drove two hours. I want some calm, please. Right. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see somebody else. You go have lunch, come back. Let's read. You know what I mean? I literally needed to like, say, okay, what would I do to kind of enhance an already stunning face? Mm. Right. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Right? That's a lot of pressure. Um, so on the more obvious ones, right? I always think mid-face makes a big difference, right? Temples, you got to bargain for later. Yeah. And I don't think that's the one that's going to be a slam dunk for those, right? So you got to bargain for the temple and the chin. I mean, you know, the chin, right? But they all want cheeks and, nose, and the noses and lips, right? So, all right. So we make it a few visits. Yep. For the first visit, we can definitely give them something they want. Successive visits is when I really get what I want. And, you know, so I get the whole thing. Um, so that's kind of how I do it. Right. Um, and, you know, then there's budgets, right? It's like, gosh, I mean, those are the realities. Um. But I've noticed more and more that if I book them a couple of visits, first I get to see it and they get to see it, you know, kind of, I don't even know what integrate. I swear it just looks better in a month, you know, yeah. it just looks better in a month. So they're happy to come back and over two, three visits. And it's also financially easier on them, right? Um, and fillers are so expensive. Yeah, I know, I don't know what your fillers are there, but our toxin and fillers are just exorbitant. Mm. I, mean, I think we pay the most in the world. I don't know. What, what, you don't have to tell us your prices, but how do you price yourself yeah. within your market versus, say, the plastic surgeons yeah. and maybe someone more right. junior to you? Yeah. I'm not the highest, but on, I am on the higher end. Yeah. Right? I am on the higher end. Um, and I do it, I'm kind of trying to, I mean, you know, I don't have the perfect office setup. I'm still always trying to figure out the best way um, because everybody wants some kind of price. So we kind of say, look, first visit, it will be at least two grand. Yeah. Right? Mm. Whatever it entails, because they want to know a price, uh, which I would too. I would want to know, like, give me an idea, right? Is it going to be 5,000 or is it two, right? Yeah. And two grand what can i do for them right i could do some really great mid face and lips and they're pretty happy right? yeah um and then i'll buy you know they'll come back for other things um so price wise i have really i'm not I'm, i don't budge from it it's like you know 900 the first syringe nine eight seven mm-hmm. you know that's kind of generally how we go um so what I've noticed is I have have happier patients since I've put prices up. Yeah. And right, like that's like, and I'm happier because I'm getting the results. They're getting the results. So we've kind of screened. I'm not getting bargain shoppers at all. Um, and yeah, definitely everybody's happier mm. once I put the price up. I think, you know, somebody once said like, I have written to something that said, what would you put on, on, on a billboard, right? And it would be raise your prices. Raise your prices, right? 
everybody's life will be better. I mean, in general, right? Yeah. If you, your life will definitely be better if you raise your prices. Mm. Because first of all, it's now you're accountable to live up to that, right? I feel like when you cheapen yourself, you're always a little bit annoyed. Yeah. That you're selling, you're selling yourself short, you know? Mm. Yeah. Once you say, this is my price, guess what? You better deliver, right? I have to say a lot so, of injectors, I think, I, struggle with that. They um, yeah. they feel the pressure to to you know have a lower price to get more people in the door, build the volume, and then yeah. you know they yeah. get the patients that they don't want, and that and they're sort of banging their head against the wall. They're constantly frustrated. Right. They constantly right. find the expectations through the roof, and they can never right. deliver that because it's impossible. And so, yeah. Yeah. completely agree. Set you know whatever right. your your standard is, price yourself right. to that. Mm. It's hard. Yeah. To, it's hard to yeah. go back from that. It's hard to start off inexpensive and increase your right. prices it's difficult because you'll you'll okay. isolate people yeah. you'll have people that'll get upset and i think right. that potentially from a business perspective it's it's a trade off yeah. you can lower your prices yeah. and your business will probably grow more quickly sure but yeah when you turn around David, and, so you own a couple of practices yeah right? i've owned businesses yeah. in this industry for over 15 years yeah. um, from surgical yeah. to non surgical and so i've yeah. i've kind of seen the full array of different businesses and yeah. what and what works and what doesn't and, and i think that if you look at cheap prices get people in the door quickly it puts bums on seats but are right. you developing the clientele that you want for the long term the people that are yeah. willing to pay for your time right. and your expertise that yeah. appreciate yeah. the different level of service right. so i think it's about trying and it's it, i think it's almost potentially a generational thing as well people yeah. want instant gratification with everything whether it be right. the way they look the amount of money yeah. they want, the amount of success that they yeah. want. It's all about, yeah. I want it now. And so, yeah. but sometimes yeah. you need to make sacrifices now to get where you want to get eventually. Right. And I think that that's probably yeah. the struggle that a lot of, that a lot of people have, yeah. um, particularly yeah. people who don't come from business backgrounds, who are just right. finding, finding their way. But you, yeah. you said something interesting and both of you said, yeah. you know, it's about bargaining with your patients. Is it, is it bargaining or yeah. is it education? Because I kind of feel that if people understand what they're looking at. Like if you're designing a house, for example, mm -hmm. and you look at mm -hmm. a look at a something that's inspirational, you go, I really love this house, but maybe you don't know exactly what it is about that house that you like because you don't understand architectural concepts mm -hmm. and flow and symmetry and all those kinds of things. So do you find that if you educate your clients rather than bargaining with them, maybe it was just uh, semantics with the word choice that you mm -hmm. guys use, but yeah. do you feel that that educating um, helps empower people to understand why you're making the suggestions that you're making because someone could look at their face and say this is the issue but maybe that's not the issue maybe because something else is out of balance or it's not it's not in harmony with other parts of the face it's drawing attention to that and then I guess how do you approach there's a question in here how do you how do you, how do you approach how do you approach keeping someone's individual identity with a feature mm -hmm, that makes mm -hmm. them unique because I feel there is this this trend yes. or this need for people to all look the same because everyone's right. looking at Instagram and social media and the people with the most likes and followers, obviously the people that, you know, potentially the most attractive right. and we're all trying to aspire to look a certain way. But I kind of feel like we're losing our individualness, yeah. what makes our faces unique. So how do you yeah. reconcile that and, mm. and what's your approach? Sorry, long, long there's yeah. statements yeah, and yeah. questions in there. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> made it complicated right. for you. Yeah. Yes, I think so. I I think we really have to delve into like, look, I'm not forcing anybody, right? Um, to, and you have to be really careful 
I think it's like a very deep conversation to really figure out. Um, look, I can do temples on somebody and I may think they need temples, but they may be the edgy person. You know, they may be edgy. They may be the model-esque type that doesn't really want, they want the hollows, you know, makes them photograph and they want the angles, right? Um, so I can, uh, it's my job to really kind of get some information of who they are in the world. Like, what is their life, right? That's why I do kind of delve into who they are outside of the office, right? Like, what is their life like? Right. Mm. And I think those things are important. Like, are they the edgy kind of person or are they the, you know, like the, the homemaker, right? Or what is their life like? Like I had a I had a client who's like a mom say to me probably not long ago, you know, I just want to be on the edge of normal. Like I want to be edge of normal. Like I'm a mom, but I want to be kind of the edge of abnormal almost, right? So it kind of that gives me an idea of okay, okay. You know what I mean? This is where we're going. Um, so it is very individual. And some people like, look, I can, my, their chin may bother me, but it doesn't. It doesn't bother them. Yeah. So it is up to me to figure out, right? And not really. So no, I'm not doing everything I think in my head would make my brain feel better about, you know, their face. It's also not doing it. Yeah, it's not doing it. Yeah, I think um, no, not always. when Anusha used the word bargaining, it was more of an injector to inject a kind of right. chat. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We weren't actually, you know, we don't bargain <laughs> yeah, with same. our patients and say, hey, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. one trade off you know, for one, the other kind if of you thing. Let me do, yeah. your, if you let me do your temples, I'll do your lips. But it's a good point what you raise about, I, yeah. I, I love your... Um, your staging yeah. of your treatments because it's exactly what you know many injectors do no one or you know what i wanted to do add before i forget is that you know when you charge more mm. i am telling you with every patient they at least get half a syringe completely free from me right sometimes a whole syringe free when you charge a certain price like you know when you're kind of on the higher end of it you have this freedom to play with like giving them le- that little extra. You just want to make them happy. H- right? How do you mean about a syringe them? free? Just explain that because I don't... Right. Oh, so what I'll do is like say, say, like, so I quote them a price, right? And I say, you know what? Like it's like 2400 and I'm doing like mid-phase and chin or something, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to do your lips free today. I'm going to just want to give you a taste of what it's like. Right. I'll put half a syringe in their lips. That's not, that's on me. You know what I mean? Yeah, interesting. I remember what? when we had Rajan, mm. he, it was, a, it was an amazing chat. This was quite a long mm-hmm. time ago, but he he basically says that, you know, he doesn't charge per mil. He certainly doesn't charge per yeah. unit. He has a price. And I think when, yeah. you, when you're that sort of level of injector, yeah. you almost just have a, a blanket price of whatever it is, three grand, four grand. Yeah. And, and whatever we do today, right doesn't yeah. matter whether I lose out on a syringe or I gain a syringe. Right. That is my price. Yeah. So it, it, you're not kind of saying that, but it's almost the same. You, you, you've got a price, yeah. but you can yeah. be a bit more flexible with what you do. Right. You're not charging yeah. just for product. You're charging for your service. Right. Well, you're charging for an yeah. outcome. Yeah, and an outcome, exactly, yeah. a result. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's sometimes very hard to convey to the patient, mm-hmm. right? 
Right? Of course, because they, they come saying, want... well, what, what does it cost? Well, you've like, also, well, you've also got like, a, lot of, a lot of businesses and I'm not sure what it looks like in, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but I can tell you in, in most parts of Australia, the industry for the most part is dominated by chain clinics that are offering right. very inexpensive yep. prices. And so yeah, yeah. it's almost in the way that they market to consumers. And I'm not saying whether it's right or whether it's wrong because I own businesses that do that. Yeah, yeah. Is that it almost such teaches or educates people to request these things like they're picking items off a shelf, like a set of lips is going to cost right. me this, a yeah. new set of cheeks is going to cost me this, rather than yeah. looking for a holistic right. aesthetic outcome that may yeah. not have an exact price on it because it's going to come right. down to a discussion with your injector yeah. around what it is you're trying to right. achieve and your age right. and your ethnicity and your natural features that you have and how we work with yeah. that. So I think that we've in some ways as an industry, particularly in Australia, we have yeah. created this problem for ourselves where we have commoditized these treatments like you're picking items off a shelf. Yeah. Correct. And, you know, everyone yeah. in Australia can quote, you know, what is a mill of lips? How much is a unit of And top? what is two mills yeah. for cheeks? And it's just become like a like a, a bargaining trading sort of yeah. way of dealing with aesthetics. And it's bizarre, yeah. but yeah, yeah, that's just the way it is, yeah. I guess. Is that the way it is in the States? I mean, what, what, is, what does yeah. the landscape look like there? There's all sorts of it. There's more and more of it. Yes, definitely all these chains. And they've got the best prices, right? Yeah. And they get the best prices for products as well mm-hmm. because Correct. they purchase, right? Their purchase price is different. Yeah. Um, I know you guys don't have the tier system, right? Uh, we do. You mean with the with the, 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 the aesthetic companies? companies? Yeah, we do. Oh, you do. Okay. It's a so bit yeah. different, so we but we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if you buy a bucket uh, load of filler, you get a little bit of a discount and so on. Yeah, and then you got if you you got to keep up your tier yes. every year or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, yes, they're all over, and frankly, I'm not competing. They're not my competition. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's they're not. Yeah, I'm not running a mill. Which you know, good look. There's something for every client and mm-hmm. there's something for every injector. You can figure out the way you want to do business. And mm. um, and I think some of these clinics, right, they do great work, right? They do good enough, right? They do good enough. Well, um, I guess so. it's like if you look at any industry, whether it be clothing yeah. or cars, I mean, right. not everyone's out there right. buying Bentleys. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like most of the population yeah. are driving regular yeah. regular like automobiles that are Hondas. affordable to most yeah. people and and that serves right. a certain populace yeah. of of the uh, of the community right. whereas yeah. Yeah. you're always going to have room for people that want a more exclusive, a more expensive, yeah. a more kind of upmarket right. type of outcome or, right. or experience. Yeah. And it's no different. Yeah. I wanted to ask you Nusha, so yeah. your patient group it was interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't realize they were in the younger cohort, sort of 20 to 30 mainly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, with your aesthetic, your your approach to sort of looking mm. natural and anatomical, how do mm-hmm. you deal with it when, when these trends come about, like the fox size <laughs> and the Russian lips and all that yeah. crap? Like yeah. y- it must be... You know, you, you must be encountering that more than, than, you know, injectors who don't see that cohort as much. But you know what? Actually... I don't attract that crowd. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I really don't. Yeah. I don't have in like nobody. I mean, everybody that comes to me basically is much more scared of it. <laughs> all that. So it's already selected. Yeah. So right. it's actually, 
you know, this is why social media is great, right? Yeah. I mean, as much as I hate it, it's changed my whole business in the last five years. Right? Yeah. <laughs> crazy. I mean, it's crazy. So they already know what my MO is, right? So those others are not coming. And most often, but I mean, there's a few that will get in there and I'm, you know, that push me a little bit. Um, but, and that don't see that what they're asking for is unreasonable to what I do. Um, so yeah, it's kind of self-selected. I don't get the yeah. trendy treatment. Yeah. People are very good researchers these days. You know, they've got yeah, supercomputers in, the, in their oh pocket and they'll, they'll hunt, yeah. they'll find the people that resonate with what they're looking to do. So I think if you're, right. if you're true to yeah. who you are and the way that you want to practice yeah. rather than trying right. to, you know, yeah. appease everybody and, and adjust your approach depending on what people want. If you right. put your flag in the sand and say, this is me, this is how I do things, and you're consistent right. with the way you put that out there, then you will attract yeah. the clients that you deserve. Yeah. I think that's what Raj said as well. You would get right. the clients that you deserve. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, your social media is, is amazing. Who who runs it? Like, who, because, who, oh, you, you know, gosh, you said quite clearly you hate it. My had a child, so she's gone on maternity. She's killing me. <laughs> So I'm about to, um, yeah, I'm about to lose, um, yeah, traction there just because she's, you know, had a baby. So I'm kind of in the mix of trying to look for somebody really good to do it, frankly. So, so how do you, because uh, you've got a lot of content and, and you're doing it regularly more yeah. to the point. So uh, do you, yeah. you know, do you structure it or have you just, so, you know, got someone following you in the day and you just pick so, the best yeah. bits? I mean, look, yeah, exactly. I've had her, um, she was a client of mine and then she came on board. And she was doing kind of two days a week. She would come to the clinic. She would be in the clinic. And she did all the other things for my clinic too. She just taught herself everything. Mm -hmm. um, and she basically, patients come in and she would ask them, are you open to social media? If if I approve that they are a face that I want on social media. Yeah. And then um, they do get a discount. Mm-hmm if they approve yeah. and then she does all the befores, afters and during yeah. and puts it all together and posts it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So you're, you're really yeah. just the injector. You're mm. not the brains behind it. Right. No, I'm not. Yeah. No. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, th those yeah. people are very yeah. few and far between. I can mm -hmm. tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Look, can I ask? Cause, yeah. cause I, uh, yeah. I had a chat just last week with uh, another injector um, on an mm. Allegan day and, and a conversation came up about, you know, social media and using patients yeah. of models. And th they felt quite strongly mm -hmm. that it was, I don't know if they use the word unethical because, mm -hmm. you know, I do it as well, but they sort of said you're, you're bargaining again, bargaining with your patient mm -hmm. to do a discount, to give them a treatment and maybe their motivation would be different if you weren't giving them at a discount. It, it sort of, it, it's a, it slightly changes the bar to whether they would say yes or no. You're almost having to lure them in is, is Look, basically what she was implying. Doing, now, they are doing me a great favor, right? Yes. They're doing me a great favor. But what about Why? for them? Would uh -huh. they would they have a different attitude if it was full price? Probably. Mm, that they wouldn't do it yeah. if they were paying full price. I mean, I, I ask because I've, I've been in this position before. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not criticizing, right. but... 
Right. Most of my patients come and they will say, yeah. oh my God, I've seen all the under eyes you do on Instagram. I want that. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's great. But very clearly right. they're, they're like, where's the box to sign that I don't want my photos on Instagram? Right. And I'm like, right. okay, so the inspiration yeah. to come, you're not happy to reciprocate. Yeah. Fair enough. No problem. It's your, it's yeah. your prerogative. But right. yeah. how as injectors do we then get those photos if most people don't want them on Instagram without luring people in? It's yeah. sort of an interesting dynamic. I know. Yeah. I know. Yes, I know. I have another friend injector who basically says she won't see anybody who doesn't consent. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> I know. You should actually interview her, Doan Tui. Um, okay. She's, she has great outcomes. Um, but yeah, she's like, you want to come to me? You got to agree. She's like, you, come, you found me because of all these clients who agreed. Now you got to reciprocate. Wow. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you can't buy the art if you don't see it. So you got to help me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What have been. So I know. Sorry, go on. Yeah. No, I, I, it, it, I know it's, uh, it's kind of bordering on of, is it ethics and all right. Uh, it's a tough spot. But, you know, I don't think for these patients it's that serious. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, th I think um, for your younger patients, they, they, take it they, so they don't lovely. have a barrier. They're so amazing. They're so, yeah, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're just so happy. I'm like, yeah, they're always, I mean, even like sometimes they don't even say, my girl might not say they get a discount. They're like, oh yeah. Oh, I get a discount. Oh my God. Even better. Okay, yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think your younger patient is way mm -hmm. more likely yeah. to mm. say yes. Yeah. Occasionally I get people in their fifties going, sure, my results yeah. so good that um, I want to inspire people too. And that's great. But I yeah. just, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really ever bring it up unless yeah. it's sort of volunteered. And then I say, oh, okay, well let, let's mm. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. What are some great. of the, the biggest mistakes yeah. that you've made over the years? You've been injecting for a long time. You've come a long way. What are what are the things that sort of stuck out to you as biggest lessons learned, mistakes that you've made that have led to adjustments in your practice or your outlook on how you approach treating people? What makes my job probably most unsatisfying is when they don't do when when people are not agreeing to do what I would love to do. Like agree you know I me mean? so then i would just kind of treat them give them what they wanted right mm. in the past now i kind of put my foot down a little right i don't take them if they don't like i almost kind of let them go I, I think because what I you're saying them. is you've developed the confidence to yeah. try the education you know, you go right. through the photos and da 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 da, da. and some people just don't yeah. get it. They, yeah. or they don't want it for whatever reason, and they've, they, yeah. you know, they come with a clear agenda. I want my lips, yeah. and 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 you right. don't agree with that for a reason. And I think it's yeah. very hard, even for experienced injectors, to to eventually say, "Well, I'm not treating you," but sometimes you have to. Yeah, and there's a different way to say it. Probably like, I just don't think right. Me treating just this is going to make a difference enough. Yeah. I would rather actually you really think about it or not really do it because I don't think you're going to see a difference, right? Yeah. It's just very disappointing. Like, it's like, you know, it's like telling me, you know, when I need five colors that I can only have one mm. to paint with, right? 
it's just not satisfying. And the job has to be satisfying for me. It's not right as well. Um, the other thing, David, is that you don't price yourself high enough. That's mm. like when I used to be really low priced, right? And that's a confidence thing, right? Too. It's like you got to get there. Yes. But man, if you start off low, pricing yourself low, that climb up is going to be really hard. But basically, you'll have to lose all those clients and get new ones. Yeah. Right. So put your prices up. Yeah. And deliver and deliver. Yeah. It's interesting what you mentioned about. Um, you know, saying no and stuff. There, there's a, a mm. new trend that I'm seeing f- from patients. Mm. And it, of course, yeah. it tends to be the younger ones. And it's getting a little bit scary where either the injector or even surgeon has said no for whatever reason. It might be completely reasonable. Or right. they get an outcome that they don't agree with. And then they sort of go right. on TikTok or Instagram and do a story about how terrible their work is or how you know, the outcome wasn't satisfactory. And it's almost like public execution of the practitioner yeah. sure. through social media. Sure. And, you know, yeah. w- w- wow. I, don't, I don't know whether we have to take, you know, the benefits of social media with what, you know, we're doing and all the great stuff that we showcase right. with the bad. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. It's a bit like taking ah. a bad Google review, but amplifying yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right. And wow. I, I just, I yeah, I've seen a few of those thing. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was one yeah. here in Sydney. Um, yeah. A young girl had threads for fox eyes with a cosmetic yeah. surgeon. And it mm. looked crap. And she had these lumps right. and, and she had severe yeah. swelling. And, yeah. you know, she basically aired all of the dirty laundry through TikTok. And it's become, it's not wasn't just one post. It was, mo- it was like the whole story mm. of like a month of her downtime and what was agreed and refunds. And I thought, oh, gee, like yeah. you just... I don't know. Mm. You wouldn't want that. And, you know, and from a patient's perspective, you know, you would be very upset with the surgeon showcased yeah. and, and sort of revealed or, 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 or right. you know, revealed your confidentiality as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. I think that trust yeah. has to go both yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think something has to happen with that. But, um, I mean, you know, I have a surgeon friend, I mean, a few friends who have just been destroyed mm. by this kind of thing. Right. It is so unfair. It is so one-sided that they can just, you know, go out there and just ruin your reputation. Yeah. Um, But here comes really paying attention. Yes, bad things can happen, right? But really paying attention and being selective of the clients you choose to treat. Gotta, you know, like that feeling, you gotta freaking listen to it. Right. And my staff are good picking up those signs, right? Um but I don't know, yeah. Yeah. I mean you can get trashed on Yelp and Google and Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait to retire. Yeah. I think (laughs) um, I think practitioners are getting better at saying no to clients who they don't think are aligned with their aesthetic. Um, sensibilities or what they think is sensible for that person's face. I I talked to a lot of injectors in the industry and it seems to be that they're getting a lot more comfortable saying, look, I'm not the injector for you. I don't think how... I I have to tell you a story about the last time I said that to a client. Yes. It doesn't often go well. (laughs) It doesn't often go well and it didn't. So she decided she was going to trash me on Yelp and say that um, I just didn't have the skills right 
to treat her. She had come in for treatment. She was like flying from somewhere, came in for treatment, and I'm picking up things psychologically, right? I, I know the type. And I knew, like, she'd gone to five people before who was, you know, the story. Alarm like, oh bells God, already. Okay, now you're going to come. Yeah, yeah, oh, great. <laughs> now it's like going <laughs> to come next to be guillotined. Um, so, really, conversation. And they, they're completely normal appearing, right? The whole conversation. And I had kept saying no, kept saying no. She had gone somewhere. Then I did a little bit of something and then she flew back uh, home went to one of my friends and um, then got it all dissolved, came back to me telling me to, and basically she needed a little lift. Fillers were never going to lift her face. Mm -hmm. So she trashed me saying that I I don't have the skill and that uh, she does not think she needs to lift, you know, facelift. It's not what she's asking for. So anyway, I got trashed on Yelp um, back and forth. And um, that's what you get for saying no. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that in in retrospect, you would have said no and, and not done anything? Because you sort of... I mean, it was so little. Like it was like a point two of a syringe in the lips. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I guess from that patient's perspective, even though it's yes. completely unrealistic, that she yes. goes home disappointed. Because the point right. two didn't do what she wanted, so right. I don't know. I mean, right. I, I guess, and I've learned the same experience of you. I've tried to meet them, not even halfway, mm. just do a little bit to sort yeah. of get them out the yeah. door. I, I guess, yeah, and yeah. it doesn't work because then you've basically yeah. said yes, I can deliver, and you didn't. Mm. Uh, yeah. Whereas it's yeah. easier to yeah. say I can't deliver. Yeah. I think, right? No, yeah. I've told her. I look. I am not going to lift your face. But you know, the thing is. Here we go. We're talking about that 0.001% of yeah. people. And most of our patients are so amazing. They're yeah. like, you know, so absolutely fabulous. And we have so many laughs and giggles and, you know, it's joy. And I mean, it really is. But so don't even talk about yeah. it. Yeah. But those are the ones that bury mm. us though. You know? I think I think it's a trap <laughs> particularly for, for new injectors or inexperienced injectors yeah. is that they don't right. have the client numbers yet they've got bills to pay expenses are piling up and i think that in desperation to get money coming in the door and also they haven't had these experiences yet they haven't been burnt sure by these clients they don't know what to look for especially because no one teaches you this stuff right i mean right who teaches you how to discern people that are maybe slightly you know body dysmorphic or they have unrealistic expectations and i think that's where a lot of young injectors run into problems is they say yes to everybody because they don't know any yeah, better and sure, because sure, they sure. want the, they want the business and yeah. then that's when they become yeah. unstuck and they're probably the worst the most vulnerable they ha- don't have that expertise to fall yeah. back on yeah can yeah. I can I ask you, you you said that you yeah. you spend a long time in your consult you know getting to know them and and so on do you have almost like a screening questionnaire for things like BDD or, or even personality typing. I think that's where, oh, where we're going to sort of, yeah, it, it's never going to be know. foolproof, but you know, try right. and try and catch out that one that maybe you wouldn't yeah. have, but if you ask them some questions, you, you see the red flags on the, on the checklist basically. Mm, God, I'd like to see that checklist, but I think for me, I have to talk to them. Mm. Right. I mean, they can say anything on paper. Right. Um, 
But, you know, five minute conversation, you can pick it up. I don't mean, you know, give them a checklist to fill out before they've seen you, but almost, Uh, you know, as uh, you're chatting to them, sort of noting down, okay, I need to, I need to ask this in a, in a way that teases out the information, Mm -hmm. but without being so Mm -hmm. explicit that it's obvious what you're asking. I don't have to say that in another way. For example, I, I mean, for example, I say to people, I'm going to talk about your motivations for why you're here today. I'm going to ask you some weird questions and they go, oh, okay then. And I'll say stuff like, do you feel confident with how you feel with your partner? And they Mm -hmm. go, yeah, 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 Yeah. I'm fine. And then you go, okay, what about in the workplace? And they go, yeah, Mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm on a Zoom, you know, I don't like how Mm -hmm. I look. And then I'm like, well, what about, um, are you comfortable with how how your clothes fit? And then they're talking about their weight and how COVID they've been eating too much Mm -hmm. and how their Mm -hmm. face has Mm -hmm. changed. And I I don't know, I, I, I just try and tease out little things that maybe they don't volunteer, but eventually you chip away and they go, Yes, over COVID, I've turned into a fat mess. I've got no confidence. I've, I'm actually going through a divorce, but I didn't want to tell you because I was too shy. And and we sort of eventually get there. But I think if you don't ask yeah. some leading questions to get there, they just they don't tell you. They just tell you about their tear troughs or their lips, and and right. it almost becomes like a fake consult where you're not really dealing with the problem. Yeah. Does Gosh, that make I sense? I don't have that list, but I should have that secret list. I think everyone's intuitive. You you seem yeah, obviously intuitive, whereas I some people of, can't learn that. They're yeah. just not people yeah. people. Yeah. And my, and my office is really good as well, picking up. They've also talked to Dan, right? So there's a few conversations that happened and I get transmitted information. That, you know, <laughs> when I go in, I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, it's a good point, actually. Like, well, what, is your, what does your front of house look like? like? Who is your receptionist? Did you train her or him? Yeah. Or, or she, was it just, um, oh, you've done another job. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you don't have it. Great. Come, let's go. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all my staff are just it, it didn't do aesthetics before. They were not in the environment, nothing mm-hmm. to do with it. Yeah, they we they in the medical assistants, just like on the job training, and just yeah, um, nothing new, uh, nothing they've done before. No, um, and even the HR stuff, we're just learning on the go. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, listening to you guys legal stuff like give me like a heart attack. <laughs> I'm sure it gave everybody a heart attack. Yeah. Like, oh, and it's even you know worse I mean? in the states. You guys are even more litigious over there. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and you know, I mean, the labor laws in California is one of the toughest states. It's a good to be an employee. It's not great to be an employer in California. Oh right. my god! Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I'm like, okay, four hours, ten minute break. Four hours, four hours. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be somebody in the office who's like enforces the breaks, and you know. Yeah, I remember you said when we were planning this that you were basically quite honest and said, you know, I've kind of made this up as I go along. I was a solo yep. practitioner for for like yeah. a decade and, and you know, exactly. eventually got some staff. So yeah. how's that challenge been for you? Because I think yeah. a lot of, well, doctors, but also nurses, I'm yeah. assuming, you, you kind yeah. of almost have this superhero personality where you just think, I'll just do everything myself. I can't trust <laughs> anyone. I don't know what right. I don't know, so I don't even know what right. to outsource. So, you know, from your right. business, how, how have you sort of identified what your needs were that you, that you weren't good at? Um, well, it's just kind of happening. I've just I've outsourced like a whole company to come and kind of, you know, go through every little bit of everything, uh, things we're not doing correctly. So I shouldn't even say that out aloud. Um, 
But um, so they're going through kind of the legal stuff. I hired a lawyer to write my whole HR booklet, you know. And so um, I am I'm just finally at the breaking point where I feel like I'm, I've opened myself out mm-hmm. as I am hiring more staff yeah. to some kind of legal thing, you know. So I'm like, okay, I had to. I'm kind of at the breaking point. I have to either kind of get the big guys involved now. I can't, you know, do it do it anymore if i'm going to get bigger and hire more stuff right yeah so it just opens me up to more risk so it's like do or die right now so that's why i'm doing it now Mm. so what's an average day look like for you i mean how many clients are you typically treating how long how long do you sort of allow for for clients and well it was the the i guess primary treatments that you're administering or is there particular things that you've become known for yeah well i was trying to still find my perfect day yeah. Um, right. So I think the difficulty is that I have my old clients that I've been seeing for, you know, so mm. long. Right. Mm-hmm. So as much as I don't want to do any more toxin only clients, I still have a relationship with them. I've been trying to move them on to the new injectors. It's a hard transition. They would almost rather leave the whole practice yeah. than go to somebody else. It's a weird thing. They like, you know, they won't go to your partner, but they would go down to the street to another person, probably. But I have to, I'm kind of being okay with that. So my ideal day is, um, I don't have yet, but <laughs> that I drive the stuff crazy with is I want three or four good fillers per day, mm-hmm. which they are doing multiple syringes, right? And maybe a sprinkling of toxin. I get to spend an hour and a half almost with my my filler patients, right? Um, right now, I'm probably seeing 20 patients a day, though. Wow, wow. That's, that's a lot of patients. That's a lot. Especially it's for a lot of patients. You know, you said you're a slow injector and sometimes yeah. you're, you're thinking, so that's a long yeah. day. It's right. And if I get – but a lot of them are toxin and filler in one area. So mm-hmm. if they're doing – you know, the – the booking's not perfect, but it's just that I may have te- 10 toxin patients, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. like five toxin and a little bit of filler and like five, like full filler, yeah. right? It's a lot. Um, so I'm trying to change it. It is, I haven't found the, mm. unless I say I'm just not um, going to see toxin at all, which is hard, um, that I will see. I have a, a colleague who also says, She'll see three or four clients a day, and that's two to three hours per patient, full wow. face. That's, you know, that's easier if you, if you're not, if you've been doing it for a long time. What are you going to do with the old patients who are coming for one syringe? Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard. No, so I don't have my perfect schedule yet. And when do you do your clinical notes for that for that number of <laughs> those number of clients? Uh, yeah, <laughs> my staff helped me, so I, I do have a medical assistant who also yeah. uh, charts as I do it. Mm-hmm. And then I just read it over really quickly and sign and mm-hmm. then do any adjustment notes when I. That's actually a really I good leave. point. I I know yeah. some injectors who work with like an assistant or, or a nurse yeah. who, who assists them. And yeah. like, how do you get that workflow right? Because again, like, I, I would mm-hmm. love it sort of from a fantasy yeah. perspective, but in reality, I'm like, right. oh, I just need to do all this myself. Like well, dentists do yeah. it. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Dentists do it. Right. Um, I think they have to from a sterility yeah. perspective, right. mm-hmm. but also. Well, it was, it's frankly, it was much easier when you had paper charts. 
Yeah. This freaking, you know, electronic charts take so long. I'm like, oh, yeah. If I had paper, I could do it all, but not with electronic. So, so you know. So how how does mm-hmm. it work in practice? You know, you said you've got yeah. someone taking taking photos and and stuff. Right. Then you yes. review the so photos. So before I go in, somebody's taken the photos and uploaded it to you know, so they get photos every day, mm-hmm. um, and it uploaded it, and then she sees the patient to the room, and then you know I'll have the screen open when I walk in. They've already done uh, asked the patients what they're here for, like what they think they're doing, and made a note of that. And I know what treatment they got last and it's, it's toxin. I just repeat it and they've put the lot number down for me, you know, Mm. and if it's a filler, I give them the label and I do the filler and they've jot down the lot numbers. And it's like, while I'm conversing with the patient, they're writing those notes as well. Okay. Now, right. I have to look over that and make sure it's like, appropriate right yeah. it's not uh, they're not there's a big trust issue open. yeah yeah, yeah and, and what's your yeah. medical assistance background what what was their qualification starbucks really starbucks. yeah oh we wow them. We okay yeah she's amazing so, so not... she's going to nursing school right okay fair so, enough so they have an ambition I mean? to so be within yes what, what yeah. you're doing totally yeah yeah um and the previous ones trained her so yeah that's a good way to teach someone, really. I mean, watching it, yeah. seeing how you assess patients, what products you're doing. Um, exactly. It's good good, yeah. good training. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes when they're new, it's so much easier, you know, to just kind of get it right the first time with them. In terms of your mm-hmm. scope of practice, is there any, I, I know you do a yeah. lot, uh, but is there anything that you yeah. don't do or, or you don't like doing or you've had to tweak? Mm. I, I mean, I don't do threads. Mm-hmm. I'm still on the on the fence about it. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't do, I mean, the only things I do, I don't do a lot. The only things I do are toxin fillers, Sculptra, Morpheus, um, some hyperdilute radius, right? I don't do body stuff except for, you know, Sculptra butts. Um, Let's see. There's one other yeah, thing so that you, you also use yeah. that new product called Quo, which we're mm. quite interested to talk about. Not doing it anymore. Ah, okay. Well, let's talk about yeah. that. So yeah, let's talk well, about fir- that. Firstly, yeah. what is it? Because so, we don't have it in Australia. So okay. just give us the, yeah. the, the, the bullet yeah. points. Q-W-O. Quo is an injectable treatment for cellulite. So it breaks the bands, the fibrous bands, that are the cause of cellulite. Mm-hmm. So like every woman has cellulite and it was first developed, I think for, um, penile, what do you call it? Um, our Jupiter's contracture. Yes. Jupiter's contracture. Right. right. So bent willies <laughs> in yes. layman's terms. Right. <laughs> okay. yep. Um, and so, um, it was promising and I think it has some results, but it's multiple treatments and there has been some like long term, more than a year of this bruising hemocedrine deposit that mm. especially on dark skinned that we're not resolving. Right. Mm. Patients are really unhappy with. So now they've um turn their dimple, you know, exchange their dimple into a very long-term bruise, sc- 
scar, you know, discoloration on their butts. And so thighs. was it um, so, so, some sort of like what post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation yeah. that's just, okay. And you, maybe you can treat yeah. it with like, uh, you know, hydroquinone or lasers or has it, was it any, yeah. no? Mm, very hard on the butt, you know yeah, what I right. mean? Even hydroquinone and stuff. Yeah. But is it? It, it, it's the I know I don't know what else to describe it as the hemocedrine. You almost have to wash it out. I think if it is like a hemocedrine deposit, you know, with like saline wash, um, and and PIH, I'm sure too. Yeah, so, it's interesting. So, yeah. I mean, we don't have it here in Australia, but my understanding was yeah. it's like a a liquid. You inject yeah. it in a few different angles to sort of break, break up right. the the band if you like the septi yeah and it's a coll right. collagenase enzyme so it dissolves right. the the septi right. um right. but yeah exactly. I, I have heard that bruising is pretty significant but i didn't know the long-term bruising mm -hmm. was bad so you're almost trading one yeah. problem for another it doesn't mm. exactly. so was that I mean, your own experience or, or is everyone saying that um it's it's maybe like a six-month bruise was mm. my experience right right um, I think, yeah, that was, I just can't deal with that stuff with patients. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, yeah, so I'm not using it anymore. Oh, that's good to know. Fair Something enough. that we're all excited about. Yeah. I'm, I'm less excited I now. No, no to quote. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> no to quote. <laughs> oh my gosh. There you go. There's a new tagline. Now we're getting no, 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 no. awesome. I'm, I'm open-minded. I'm happy to, yeah, to have yeah. a play when it comes eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to keep giving money back. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Are there any areas of the face that you won't do filler? I know you do noses and temples and, and things. Do you do glabella lines? That's the only thing I don't do. I don't like the mm, idea of it. Yeah. I'll do a um, globella with a, you know, the globella line sometimes I do is with a cannula where they actually have like a depression, yeah. not just the line, right? Yeah. And no matter how much Botox you do, they just need like a volume there, yes. right? So occasionally, yes, I'll do that. But very rare. Most people, I won't do it. My yeah, patients call the those, thing call those the coin slots. <laughs> coin yeah, slots. there you go. That's a good name. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I, I I just say to those patients, look, I, th I think, you know, we can nail you right. with Botox. You're still going to be left right. with something. I'm not comfortable yeah. doing fillers, just my personal thing. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, let, let's very, just freeze the hell out of it and then maybe yeah. consider some skin treatments, maybe even ablative laser if it's that established, know. you know, line. Yeah. And then I'll yeah. send them on. It's and just... you know what? Filler doesn't even stay in those lines. You don't inject. It just comes out of it anyway. Yeah, right. absolutely. So we always end the yeah. Injector Diaries with some quickfire questions. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. You're not allowed to think. You have to give us a, a, an immediate answer. What's your oh favorite toxin and why? Disport works fast for me and uh, works a long time for me. Okay. So, nice. Yeah, Disport. Um, same question, but for filler, or if you only had one filler, if you were stuck on an island and you only had access to one, what would you do? What would you use? I would say Restylane Define. Okay. What about your favorite cannula, both size and gauge and why? Ooh, and brand. TSK Steriglide. It just glides beautifully, 25 gauge. By 50 or 38 millimeters? 50. Same. Long one. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> nice word. Um, your thoughts mm -hmm. on aspiration. Do you do it or do you not? I'll do it for the camera. Right. Why though? No, <laughs> joke, joke aside, why? I don't do it always. No, I don't actually even <laughs> sometimes do it for the camera. I don't do it always. And I'll tell you why. 
I will do it on the prayer form. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it on the prayer form every time. Mm -hmm. I move my needle most uh, often. And unless I'm on bone, I use cannula a lot. So piriform is where I use needles, right? And I aspirate on the chin. I aspirate on the piriform. I don't aspirate anywhere else. So even though this is supposed to be quick fire, I'm going to ask a question about that now. So you sort of mm-hmm. jokingly said for the camera, but then you are doing it for certain spots. So yes. what, what's changing your your attitude to risk of, of aspiration, either working or not working there? Mm-hmm. Oh, on, on the piriform? Yeah, or, or the chin or yeah. a, a fixed point, right. I guess. Yeah, a fixed, yes, a fixed spot. Um. And I most often get blood. I mean, you know, because I aspirate on the prayer form, I, I know the proximity and I go really close to the nose when I, and I travel up the nose when I do the prayer form, it's almost to this kind of, um, so like, because I'm doing multiple little shots along the nose mm-hmm. and I know the artery is really close Yeah, and I aspirate. Yeah. I aspirate there for okay. sure. And cheekbones not really mm-hmm. yeah actually let's yeah. throw in a new question we don't normally do this yeah. but thoughts on yeah. ultrasound yes or no i have one i don't use it i don't know well enough how to use it it's nice i've resolved all my um um vascular occlusions without ultrasound pretty fast yeah. about occlusions on the nose on the chin on the nasolabial folds all resolved without ultrasound. Um, so I think, right, if you have a tool, you have to know how to use it. Otherwise, it's useless. Do I know how to use it? No. Yeah. Right? Should I know somewhat? Yes. Right? Look, if it's in a vein and it's really hard to find, but most often, right? Yes. The only way it would be help me is if I'm going to want to use way less Hylinex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? If I say I want to do this with the least hyaluronic possible, sure, right, great, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm not going to like. I know there's people. Oh, you know, injection under ultrasound. In what world are they going to like inject every patient under ultrasound? Really, is that a reality? No. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Uh, we've asked yeah. the same question to Mobin Master yeah. and yeah. Steve Weiner. Yeah. They're the guys who are, are leading this. And yeah, I think if you've got amazing. the skill and you can do it quick enough, yeah. go for gold. Yeah. But I just, I don't believe yeah. that that will yeah. translate to your average injector. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Maybe right. I think it'll be, yeah. I think the technology will get better. Yeah. I think ultrasounds will get better yeah. that they'll just be like, right. you you know, I mean, point and shoot. They'll yeah. tell you, you know, it'll take right. a lot of the guesswork out, probably make it easier to read. Right. But I think in the yeah. interim, I think people are using it mainly for, um, when they do get an occlusion, they're having problems resolving right. or using it to scan yeah. high-risk areas like temples and so on to you know, identify right. landmarks yeah. before they shove something in there. Yeah. Um, do you have any special tools or tips, whether it be like things to distract patients, reduce pain, anxiety, reduce bruising, any sort of little something that you want to share with, with the listeners that you think they could potentially integrate into their practice? I mean, I think, um, I think I'm still, you know, every time I think uh, I, I inject and I, I think I want this patient to 
really be able to say I it it was like a breeze. It, I didn't feel anything, right? So every time I inject, I think, how can I make it almost completely painless, right? Um, which is difficult, um, but some areas, um, I'm not amazing. I mean, I'll do the, the the distraction techniques, and they have balls, and I don't use the the what's the um, vibrator thingies. Yeah. Uh, my partner uses a lot of the vibrating things, but I I do distractions like a dentist. I, I think you've sort of said that not flippantly, mm. but I, I think it's the Arthur Swift sort of little tappy things as as yeah. you go in. Yeah, I mean that's actually quite hard to coordinate and works. do. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it, it does work. Say, oh, but wow, it, it, I like it, that trick. You know, yeah. it's kind of yeah for some people yeah. it'd be hard to do. So yeah. I think, I think it, it does work. I think cannulas like people learn must learn to use cannulas more gently because cannulas hurt more if you're aggressive if you're if you're like a needle person and you suddenly start using cannulas, mm. you're going to hurt patients Yeah, because you're going to use it like a needle. It is not a freaking needle. And I always see patients, people like inject with a cannula and they just like turn it thinking the cannula is like, I'm like, no, you got to come all the way out and redirect, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jeez. Like a windscreen wiper. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, painful. Wiper. Yeah. So last question or two, mm. where do you yeah. see firstly, the industry going in the next five to 10 mm. years time, anything that's going to radically change either your practice or new products that you've heard about, anything that you can see coming? You know what I would like? I think regenerative stuff. Yep. Right? I feel like that's where we need to go with a lot of these patients. Um, you know, uh, there's a limit to fillers and not everybody's a candidate of fillers. And we have these long-term swelling and lymphatic problems and for those patients we really need the regenerative stuff to be honest i mean i i don't do a lot of fillers on my face i do sculptra mm. raj is the last version actually three years ago that injected me yeah yeah <laughs> in manchester um put a bunch of bolox all over <laughs> um so that's gonna stay a while um but really considering especially the older woman um i think we need regenerative i think that's where we're going okay yeah i think i agree yeah. with that yeah and has yeah. there been um a book or a course something that's made the biggest impact on your practice or the way that you do things that you want to share with us oh gosh i have so many books i or it could be electro, anything like, just anything that sort of yeah, was yeah pivotal um hmm, pivotal i think i mean i suppose arthur swift right mm-hmm. Swift is pivotal. Um, you know, I think everybody taught you something. Once you get, and I feel like from everybody, you can get this curl that can change your practice. Um, I feel like Tapan, when I went to see Tapan um, in London, like he taught me how to do a great chin. Mm-hmm. And I swear for like months, like I got so many, like that was it. Chins were my thing, mm-hmm. right? And everybody thinks they can do a good chin, but there's something he taught me. I feel like, wow, that one little technique in this whole course. Like, so I always say, pay attention. 
The more you know, the less you'll pick up, but you may pick up that one thing that changes your practice. Absolutely. Now, you said earlier on in our conversation that you don't do any training, you never have, you don't train for pharma companies, but you did tell me that you might be doing something with IAD Hub in Europe in June. Oh, God, yes. So let's showcase what you're going to do. (laughs) <laughs> this is the big reveal. Mm-hmm. What what are you doing? Oh my god, he hasn't even put it out yet. He said he's going to- <laughs> Well, loosely yeah. tell us. Tell us between the lines. Yeah. What might you do? I mean, look, he just wanted me to come and like do my thing. So, I think I'm going to focus on like full face. Okay. Full face and he just wanted me to come and present on my technique for the full face. He has this whole aesthetic intelligence um uh fellowship thing mm-hmm. he's doing yeah so exciting yeah so but i add since he's such a nice guy do you know when so that's going to be because i'm going to be in the uk around that time oh yes june 8th <laughs> june 8th that's not too far away june 8th. that's very close well right that's very exciting well we we'll wait to hear yeah. uh, what it's all about and and maybe we we'll can see yeah sign up and come yeah oh god <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been um, yeah, fantastic to chat fun. with you and a couple of false starts there, so thanks for bearing work with you, it. Work you up early, Dave. That's okay. No problems. <laughs> it's all good. No, thank you. It was lovely to, to meet properly you and too. we will meet especially properly, hopefully, in the UK when, when I come across. Yeah. yeah. So good. enjoy yeah. and take care, Nusha. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 